Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there, and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kevin Nelson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. We're back with the Zoom edition, Kevin. Tuesday night, we have to get this out as soon as possible because free agency things are already happening, even though they're not supposed to already be happening before they're supposed to be happening before the happening date. It's like it's the pre, pre, pre free agency things happening. Hello. Hi, how was vacation? It was excellent. Uh, Chicago was an, a really great city, like timing wise, for the wrestling show to be at because there was. Stuff to do around the city, walked around the parks, uh, did the riverboat tour that I talked about, uh, took in the city. I had a lot of fun. Uh, still treating today. I got back a couple hours ago, but I'm doing, I, I'm sure somebody listening or you have done this where you're on vacation technically, even if you're home still, because it's the day you flew back. So I'm like, I'm going to Postmates McDonald's. I'm going to go get ice cream later tonight because I'm still on vacation. <laughs> and then I'll yeah. start eating like my reg- like a regular human tomorrow. But for today. No, I'm still on vacation just so I can say that so I can eat terrible food. We got a lot of, a lot to get through, buddy. Uh, so, yeah. so we should get rolling. Uh, what we want to do at the top is sort of a reset of where we're at because did anything happen while I was gone, Kevin? Um, we, the we opposite touch, of things happening, I guess. We can touch on the quote-unquote Kevin Durant thing, however you want to phrase whatever. I, again, we talk, we've brought this up every episode. I don't know what's going on there. We can, we can get through that. Uh, and then I want to go through, we're going to go through the roster in terms of who's a free agent, who's not, and kind of look at this roster and reanalyze it. Just a, a quick brief reminder on all the players on the team, because I think it's going to start to, there's going to be some variation of everyone's like, are the Suns just going to run it back? I've noticed that's been a big thing the last 24 hours. And it's like, well, yeah, they're going to keep most of their team. <laughs> that's how teams work. They are going to run it back to some extent. They're not going to shake up everything. There's most of their guys are going to be back. So I think it's important to kind of assess where we were at because it has been six weeks since they got eliminated. And then we're going to roll through your pieces on ArizonaSports.com, which are going through the three sort of needs that we have looked at outside of the scoring wing power forward guy on the trade market, which we spent a month talking about already as it is. We're looking more at free agency. And then we're going to wrap looking at free agency elsewhere, because the the thing about the Suns being a contender is that it's really important to talk about movement in the West and something I talked about at the end of the season and the episode after they got eliminated was just how lucky they got last year with the lack of movement in the Western Conference in terms of really big names and teams, teams, not even that, just teams getting better. But Kevin, with free agency hasn't even started yet and two teams in the West who are going to compete with them for the Western Conference title have already gotten better. So it should not... You should not like the Houston Rockets if you're a Suns fan. Let's just say that because they made two contenders uh, better. Yeah, they definitely did. And we'll we'll talk about that. Are we saying that John Wong and uh, Christian Wood have swung the title hopes in the Western Conference? No, but teams are getting better while the Suns can't really do anything already. And and we'll just see how those trends uh, continue or don't continue over the next two weeks. Do, do we start with this Kevin Durant story, quote unquote, Kevin, whatever you want to call it? Sure, we can run through it quickly. A month ago, you and I were talking about the offseason, and we just didn't really know where this 
uh, do I call it a vibe, Kevin? Do I call it a philosophy, a hope, a miracle? Manufactured hope. Manufactured hope. That's the best way to phrase it. Yes. Manufactured hope that the Suns were going to get Kevin Durant. This was before any sort of legitimate reporting came out of Kyrie camp, Kevin camp, Steve Nash camp, Ben Simmons camp, Nets camp, Nets front office camp. I'm saying that for a reason for what we're about to get to here in a minute, but nothing had really come out. And then we started to get little steps coming across. I think what everyone misinterpreted all the kind of energy we've had on this podcast and some other people have had in terms of looking down on people speculating about Kevin Durant is you and I are not saying that the validity of the Suns' chances of acquiring Kevin Durant once Kevin Durant becomes available are, are bad. We agree with everyone that there is a really good argument that the Suns not only have the best package for Kevin Durant in a trade, but they are the most desirable place for Kevin Durant to come for a very, a lot of different reasons, Kevin. But that is step 37. <laughs> we yeah. were on step one and we were just, and then on that was Sunday, Kevin. Was that Sunday when, when the things were happening a bit? Sure. The things were happening. No, that was Monday. That was yesterday. Um, the, the reports kind of start to trickle in over the weekend that this Kyrie Irving situation is, is a thing. And, oh, man, I'm trying to figure out how to say this, but there was such a lack of news in the last six weeks, Kevin, that I think a lot of uh, people got trapped into speculating and not just taking information for what it was or asking themselves, why is this here? To me, all this Kyrie stuff happening over the weekend, I tweeted out the Grandpa Simpson gif of Grandpa Simpson walking in and immediately walking out uh, of Moe's because I, that was just Kyrie leveraging in through reporters to me. That's all, that's all that was happening. But everyone was like, oh, my God, Kevin Durant is like, is he going to live in Scottsdale? Is he going to live? It maybe he goes out like further out to Mesa. It's just... So all of this unfolds over six to eight hours where it seems like Kyrie might decline his player option, sign for $6 million with the Lakers instead of $37 million this year. I had to enunciate that, didn't, Kevin. Really. He dared to lead us in the future. With what a money. bold, thoughtful, just a real thought-provoking individual, Kevin. Yes. Really astounding stuff. Odds in Vegas were when it started to get like, I started messaging you on teams while I was on vacation and was like, okay, well, first of all, like these three, four things, like from a son's perspective. So I actually started to kind of think about it once the Vegas odds went from uh, DeAndre Ayton's next team being the Nets from like plus 6,000 to plus 400 or whatever. I was like, oh, okay. When Vegas moves like that, I, I listen. And then later on in the day, Sham Sharani not only reports that Kyrie Irving is going to trigger his player option and stay, but that he is committed to the Nets long-term. Now, Kyrie is not the most... uh, If I had to power rank players who would say they're going to opt into their uh, player option and then don't, Kevin, uh, he'd be in my top five across the league. So the deadline, as Woj pointed out, is, is Wednesday. Uh, we're, we're not there yet. We haven't heard that he has officially opted in. So that's still there. Of course, Kyrie can opt in and then get traded somewhere still, but that is way more difficult. And again, Shams's tweet says that he is like committed to the nets and he himself released a quote from Kyrie saying, see you in the fall with the nets. 
So all of this is pretty much dead. I know there are a lot of people still holding out hope. Bless you. You're too far gone. We'll, we'll, we'll pick you up when you want to be saved. Uh, what a, what a world. And then what I kind of started seeing Kevin was reaction immediately coming to that. And, and a lot of people saying maybe they should bring back Deandre. And it was people who didn't want Deandre back. And I'm like, what if they bring back Deandre? And I'm like, what happened here? Did everyone's expectations get legitimately there to the team, the, a sun scene with Kevin Durant. Then now it's just completely shaken up where people actually expect this team to be at from a roster perspective in a couple of weeks. How did you interpret this whole mess? I don't know what else to call it, but a mess. I'll just say you messaged me either at noon or two o'clock. I believe on Monday and Gambo had kind of gone the radio and said he was trying to figure out how the Suns viewed this. And it was basically like, they're in the same boat as us where it's like, we'll see what happens. We have no concrete plans. Obviously if Kevin Durant's like, I want to go to the Suns, they would probably be like, okay, we'll figure it out. Um, But there were also from what Gambo said, some things where it was like, we got to look at it because that's as Woj pointed out, that's trading for, I know he's a little old, but a guy who's still almost as good as he ever was maybe the biggest superstar if you're saying Kevin Durant wanted to be traded, ever traded. And so when you go, and this forced me to go look at it and be like, fine, I guess I'll look at it. So I looked at it <laughs> and I looked at, all right, if you ship, let's just say DA, Cam, Mikel, because they're the three, like if the Nets don't want to just tank and be a good team, those are three good pieces. There'd have to be a ton of picks in there too. Be a pretty good defense. Yeah, have a pretty good defense. And so if you look at that, I put together my salary thingy and they're basically over the tax with like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players. <laughs> Almost over the tax. I shouldn't say over the tax. They're like four to f- less than five million away from being luxury tax team with only eight players. Um, and then that's like, okay, you have like Crowder Sharich on $10 million contracts. You could send those away and open up more, a little more breathing room before the tax, but you're not necessarily going to get better, a better, you know, rotation player than some of those guys. So when all that said, that's kind of, I guess, quickly looking at what a KD trade would look like, it'd be interesting. Um, but you would definitely have at least uh, pump the brakes if you're the Suns, if Kevin Durant said that. Um, that's as far as I got on it. As I drove home, Shams dropped the news that Kyrie was opting in. So I, I was glad I didn't have to dive down that crazy 37 steps too far hole anymore. I guess I would have loved to uh, see the hypothetical universe plan out where the Suns do have the best offer for Kevin Durant, who is asked out and they just need to pull the trigger on the trade and them making the decision of if they want to pay two players over a hundred million dollars in three years, when one of them is 36 years old at the time, 37 years old at the time. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen what that decision would have wound up being, but we never got there, buddy. We, We never even got there. 
Uh, and and thank goodness uh, uh, we didn't, to, to be honest, because, uh, oh boy, it would have just been a an absolute storm the next three to four weeks of just that was that was the, the craziest part to me was that yes the Suns probably have the best offer but acting like they just automatically get Kevin Durant if Kevin Durant asks to be traded. <laughs> just, they might not have the best offer too. You don't know. I don't know. The majority of our listeners felt this way too. I, and I don't I'm not saying this to demean you guys at all, but I was just again, I was just trying to figure out what is going on here and I just I couldn't really get there. So that is that is now a thing of the past, and I'm I am thankful that we have the clarity and resolution on Kyrie out in the open now, so we can kind of move on to the more real and, and realistic things to talk about. You ready to kind of run through the roster here for a sec? Yeah, let's go. Okay, so we had our four part off season series. We have DeAndre Ayton restricted for agent. What's up with him? We have Devin Booker Supermax. Uh, Devin Booker Supermax could be like the first bit of Suns news that comes out this off season. That could be coming Thursday. Um, We'll see. I'm not reporting anything, not saying we're leaning any kind of way here, but that should be coming pretty soon. And if it doesn't come pretty soon, you should start to get concerned. I'm serious. Um, Not about anything long-term future or anything like that, but just guys earned his $200 million. Give him his $200 million. There's no reason not to do this. Um, None at all. So just give him his money. Uh, Cam Johnson is in the same vein, but he himself said with his rookie ex- extension coming off his rookie deal that he's eligible for his, he, he said his date, like it's October. He's aware that this could take a while. He is aware that there are other things that need to happen first. So he, he's probably not going to, if he comes down in, in July, I would be surprised, Kevin. Um, maybe they want like just a more everything in concrete from July on and just like know everything when, where it's at, maybe that would be a thought process to get him extended now. But beyond that, I, I, I I don't see it. And I would expect him to come down in October. And then Kevin, who we haven't really talked about, they have Aaron holiday. Uh, We don't know about qualifying offers yet on him or Ish Wainwright or uh, Ife Lundberg. They they have three potential restricted free agents. They've got Bismack Biombo unrestricted, JaVale McGee unrestricted, Alfred Payton's unrestricted, Kevin. Is he in your is he in your lead ball handlers preview? He's not Kellen. Spoilers. Okay. Just checking. Wanted to be sure. Uh anything stand out to you there? I, we we hit on to to look at the names leaving first. I think where we can kind of start is how how run it backy do they get with center? Do they bring back JaVale and Biombo and that's the center rotation? I don't think that would surprise anyone. That would obviously be the wrong move. I think it's safe to say, I don't know if you agree, disagree, but I, that's, that's a lot. That's putting a lot on those two guys. But I do think that Biz is the guy that I, I think he's back, uh, no matter what. Yeah. I said that a month ago. JaVale is the interesting one because I don't think he wants to take the Batman. I don't think he should want to take the Batman. If you're new around here, you're going to see me say, get that money a couple of times on Twitter in the next couple of weeks because I love when guys get paid. When guys get overpaid, I love it because these guys deserve to get paid. This is what they're doing. Um, and Jabelle, same thing. Like he does not deserve to take the vet men, so he should be getting as much money as he can, and he can get more than the vet men. I believe Someone. they have to pay him seven point two starting just because he was on the mid level. Um, right. Yeah. So no, you're right. That's where the expense. I think it's like a twenty percent raise or something like that on his last year's deal. So that gets expensive, and I'm with you on the biz thing. I think if you're gonna shave some cash. Um, I know we've criticized the team for shaving cash, but I think 
it, it just makes more sense because you know Biz looks really good in the system. Um, a little more switchable, all that good stuff. That would be a good, reasonable financial move for them. And I don't know if you mentioned this, and I wasn't listening, but DA's qualifying offer apparently was extended, said Pete Smith today. So not surprising, but you got to make sure with this team because sometimes they do crazy stuff. I'm just saying. No, you you should say that. Um, I listened to Zach Lowe and Bobby Marks. I'll probably be referencing them a couple of times. Listen to them on my flight. And the the disbelief from Zach Lowe about the Arnovitz piece, uh, when, when a very, very smart basketball person shares your opinion on basketball things or just, you know, that's less of a basketball thing and more of just a mutual understanding thing where he is, he is in a similar line of thought with us and kind of the disbelief of how that painted the picture of them uh, in a negative light when it probably wasn't supposed to be in their heads. Yeah. Uh, but, but it did. Okay. Uh, I, I think, I think that is an interesting part on, on center. It's, it's just, again, where does this come from? And, and part of what we talked about so much before is that, Part of what we talked about so much before is that we just don't know where, how much of this is going to come from the trade market and how much of that is going to come from the free agency market. We'll get into that a bit later, but I just want to mention that on center. If we kind of roll through the roster here, I want to roll through the guys that are signed because I feel like with how much we've been gone from Suns basketball on the court, I feel like feelings are kind of getting mixed up in, in certain areas where it's, it's more difficult to kind of gauge where players are at. And, and what I mean by that is Chris Paul is coming off of back-to-back All-NBA seasons. I, I know that he's broken down in two straight playoffs. That's not the point I'm making. I'm just saying that's the level of player that we're dealing with here. Devin Booker is Devin Booker. Mikel improved a ton in the regular season. We talked about him, but it, Cam improved a lot as well. But I think that's the big question, Kevin, is after those – four guys. So not even bringing up DeAndre, not bringing up Jay Crowder is like, where can they get a huge, where is the next like impact guy on their team? Cause I think Jay Crowder is such a glue guy that he's, that he's more glue than impact at this point. Does that make sense in terms of what he does for this team? He's a stabilizer. He doesn't really have those 23 point explosions. Doesn't have that night with 14 rebounds. Like he had, that incredible NBA finals. I thought he was really good in the Mavericks series. He was really equally as bad in the Pelican series though. So I, I, I don't know. Um, it, I think that's kind of where I wanted to, to phrase it here because it, I, this is what I want to ask you. If you want to look at one guy that I didn't mention who you feel like the Suns are confident in and they're going to bet on for next season, who's back. Cause a lot of the names I didn't mention could be traded. Um, Dario Sarge, Jay is one of them. Campaign is one of them. Tory Craig is one of them. Landry Shamit is one of them. Is there anyone you're looking at specifically who you think the Suns will bet on and, and they'll be back next year? Man, I feel like unless you're getting back like an Eric Gordon, I think campaign is that guy just because I think his three-point percentage, like it wasn't sustainable two years ago, but it also, I think he can do better than this past season. Um, just as important again, but after that, man, it's, I think the guys on expiring deals and, and maybe throw Shamit in there are, that's, 
those amounts of money are the ones where it's like they should be waking up when their cell phone rings and wondering if they're going to get traded in the middle of the night. Like the team needs to get better. And those contracts I I think are valuable to other teams in some ways who are just trying to shed money here and there. Um, Dario, it's hard to say how effective he'll be with two knee injuries um, on an already not very athletic guy. Crowder, um, I don't know if I brought this up on the podcast, but maybe on a show I did, but I honestly think if you're going to extend Cam Johnson this offseason, then you need to have conversation of does he push for a starting spot this, this coming season? And, and that might be the shakeup. Um, so to me, I, I think something has to shake up in those guys' range um, from campaign to Crowder and charge. They were all the names that I, that I wanted to bring up for a discussion and just to kind of draw a line in the sand right there, put it equally as such, because I feel like, we cannot, uh, we can, but I'm trying again with the Kevin Durant thing a month and a half ago when I was trying to help everyone from not getting their expectations up and getting hurt over something that was just created out of thin air. I I really don't want to see people start to lull themselves into a trap with this roster in terms of what it was last year and, and what it was for when some of these guys last played. Campaign, campaign was not good last year. He did not play well. He had really good stretches of the season that were opt that were can lead you to optimism. But I think that if he is anything more than the third string point guard on this team last year, the the backcourt is in trouble. Like overall, and I say that with Denbook and Chris Paul starting for it because they need someone to take minutes off of Chris in a major way, and they need someone who's just more impactful in general when Chris is playing anyway, who's more consistent. Uh, Landry Shamit was not good last last year in, in more of an outwardly negative way than when I paid it with campaign. He did not have a three, four. Was his best stretch two weeks long, Kevin? I don't even remember a two week stretch. I, I didn't. I don't even think he got that far in terms of finding just consistency over a decent stretch. And he had a lot of time in the starting lineup through COVID stuff and a lot of different issues. He had his own issues to work through as well. And maybe all of those roles bouncing around didn't help him. And next year, if the Suns are more healthy and there's not a COVID outbreak in the NBA again, that he's able to kind of stabilize and and that'll help him. Dario is the main reason I want to bring this up, Kevin, because the last time he played for this team, he was in and out of the rotation in the playoffs because he wasn't playing that well. And Frank Kaminsky had to come in. And Dario has been someone who wall is a, an amazing teammate is very skilled his on-off numbers are fantastic, and, and there are many different reasons why they should bring him back. I don't think he can be looked at as this defined bat, the defined backup center for this team. I think that if he comes back, he has to be more of a situational guy like campaign, which is where I look at Dario's number of nine and a half million, and, and I'm just not sure because Dario just was inconsistent two years ago. I hate, I hate to say it, but he's just, he's been an inconsistent player since he's been here. And that is, that is what really reared its head for them in the playoffs more than anything was just inconsistency across the bottom half of their depth. And all of that came to roost. And then all of a sudden the top half of their depth, particularly with Deandre and Mikel 
um, were inconsistent as well. And, and they just need to find more consistency. And I think it's really important to emphasize that before going into free agency, because all of this is things we will say if they mostly run it back. But I thought it was important to talk about it before we got there, just so it doesn't sound like we're bringing it out out of nowhere. Like these are things we've seen for a while now. And it's important to kind of like set the expectations where they should be in terms of where this team needs to get needs to get upgraded in major ways. All right, Kevin, let's roll through this. So we've got center, which is where we'll talk about DeAndre and the developments to come today out of Detroit. We, we've kind of got that wing group where it feels like they could potentially add a name. And then I, the most important group to me by far is, is the on-ball guards, and it is not a particularly deep group. And, and that is uh, concerning to me and where we kind of look at the trade market more so. But starting at center today, the latest news to come out about an hour and a half ago, Detroit is acquiring Nerlens Noel and Alec Burks from New York. New York is going to open up salary cap space just to maybe sign someone, Kevin. I don't know if they have anyone in mind. Have you heard anything? Of course, they can't be negotiating with anyone or talking to anyone or just anything like that. They can't be hiring anyone's dad on the coaching staff or anything like that, right? Nothing like that. Wouldn't have a contract drafted already without talking to someone, right? Nope, can't do that. So New York uh, clears up cap space to sign Jalen Brunson, which they already have pretty much. It feels like everyone knows that at this point, and we got to wait two days to hear it. Uh, And then Detroit gets two veterans. Woj, again, uh, shout out to the context king. Uh, Kings, because Shams had it on the Kyrie thing. He could have just said the opt-in thing, but he got the context there. And then Woj got the context today that Noel and Burks are going to be veterans for uh, Detroit in their locker room that they want. So Detroit's now got Isaiah Stewart, Jalen Duran, and Nerlens Noel. I don't think they have room for DeAndre Ayton on the cap sheet anyway, Kevin, now. But on the roster, they're kind of out of room anyway. So it, a really interesting sort of, I'm going to talk about this in a little bit with the Western Conference and, and the Clippers thing, but it's really interesting how there's just these sort of things that can happen that can alter things. Like what what if Detroit, what if Sacramento did take Jay Nivey? Because it feels like Detroit getting a blue chip kind of guy in Jay Nivey and then someone they really liked in Jalen Dur- uh, Duran was available to be traded for because Obviously, Kevin, uh, uh, infamously, Kevin, one of the biggest ones ever was how many first round picks w- were offered for uh, Frank Kaminsky? You remember was that? It like four, three? It was like three or four first round picks to move up for um, a couple of spots to get Frank Kaminsky in that draft. I can't remember who did that. Um, but New York uh, want, really wanted, or, or sorry, Detroit really wanted Jalen Duran. They got him. Uh, and so now them being able to pull that trade and Jaden Ivey falling to five might've altered their entire off season. Cause maybe they would have looked at it differently. And I think that's kind of the idea that I was getting uh, from hearing, hearing Zach Lowe on his podcast, at least just, he kind of believed there was a chance it could be a team that kind of takes in salary now, uh, as opposed to using that on a big name, like miles bridges or Deandre. And and Deandre was obviously the one being linked to them for a whole month. Uh, just to quickly go over his market and what we've heard the last week and, and rumblings coming out, Kevin, and just where you stand. I did a Q&A waiting at my gate today, and I answered that I still believe that if he does go to a situation, if this does turn into something where he is going to take on an offer sheet, I believe he is going to get the max, or if he, or if it's a side and trade, I believe it's going to be for that four-year max. Uh, do you... Do you see it the same way, pal? Do you still think he's getting the max, or are you starting to buy into some of this talk that 
maybe he's not going to get it. Maybe there just isn't a team out there that wants to give it to him, and the Suns are going to have some leverage here, and then it's going to be one of those types of deals. I, I don't know. Where do you land? I'm starting to buy into it just because, I mean, Detroit was talked about as the number one team that wanted him. And let's say there were five. If one's out of the picture, the top one, um, that, that suddenly changes things. I don't think he's going to be far from the max anyway um, if he doesn't get the max. But I will say and use this time to say that for all the, the Suns should have just given them the max talk that, like we said it last year, um, they might be looking smart if he gets a $28 million offer, something like that. Um, and, and that's where it's kind of like nitpicky, right? Because if he doesn't technically get a max deal, um, will he be disappointed that it's $28 million instead of thirty? I, I don't know. Um, will the Suns have a little more, just a little more room and get a little less taxed? Yes. Um, so maybe that's their thinking in all this is, okay, we can just see where the market is, have the leverage because he's restricted. Um, but I, I think the calculating there and what we don't know is how those conversations with him are, are, are as far as just basketball. Even like if yep. he wants a bigger role, then yeah, you, you still don't want to pay him, right? You still don't want to pay him all that much. So yeah, like if it goes if it goes down to twenty six million in the open market, do the Suns even offer it? Does he even accept it from the Suns? I don't even know the answer to that. We can't say with certainty, right? Right. So, so for me, it's it's really going to come down to how he, honestly, how his emotions are when he gets an offer, whether it's from the Suns or all the offers from other teams. So, yeah, I I, I can't really say I know where to judge this market, but. If you take the top, reportedly the top team out, then suddenly you start thinking, okay, maybe there's a possibility he doesn't get that next. I told you I have a theory that I wanted to break with you on the podcast. Um, It's not even a theory. It's just something I want to say out loud in case it happens. And I can be the one person who said this because no one is crazy enough to say this out loud. Again, idiot, not an idiot. And this is me just being an idiot from last week's episode. Remember all of the trades from 2019 when we were like, okay, James Jones doesn't care about value, losing value much. The, 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 the notion of value quote unquote, um, which I, I guess referring it to a notion that doesn't sound so smart because value to, should exist in every sort of negotiation and, and trade and signing and all that kind of stuff. You have to have some sort of system to let levy it on, but losing a little bit of value here and there didn't seem to be a problem to him. Right, Kevin. Yeah. TJ Warren, Josh Jackson, all that. I don't know if Josh Jackson had that much value when he got rid of him, but yes. Does this go as far as letting Aiton walk for nothing? I I don't think so because I think you can't get better. Um, You're definitely getting worse. Like in in what situation do you think you've improved? Um, They're not going to have the cash just to outright spend. They'll have, if, if they were under the cap, they would be a, a $10 million mid-level that they could use instead of a six and a half. So there's that advantage and maybe mm-hmm. you get a decent rotation player. But to me, it's, there's no avenue toward 
at least recouping some of the value, if that makes sense. So I think it's re-sign or side and trade. And that's why it's, again, the, the thought that he could just let him walk. I, I don't see how he wouldn't just be outright. Everyone's asking for him to be fired. Right. I just wonder what happens if they get poison pilled to death. Yeah. If they consider it. I'm just saying it out loud. Just saying it out loud instead of keeping it in the head. That's what we've been doing on the on these episodes the last and, couple for me, I guess. And that's where it's like they could be playing it right, but if someone does just go out and just kill that contract, um, like when books New Deal and all that stuff, that crossover is or things like that. Um, yeah, that that that's a situation where you're like, well, you should have just given them the straight max, and it would have you would have known what you're doing going into this offseason. To be clear, I do not think this is going to happen. It is not going to happen. But I just want to say, I just had the thought came through my head. Uh, jet lag, maybe. I don't know what's going on up there. We slept fine in Chicago, by the way. Great. Great bed in my hotel. Like we were working right. Had one of those thermostats you can turn it. You don't you hate it when you go into one and you can't really turn the thermostat down that low and it's like sixty eight degrees and it's like come on, like let me turn to sixty. Let me, let me get let me get oh, yeah. this. Let it rip. Let me get it. Let me get out there. Let me get wild. Uh, they they let me they let me eat. Uh, let's break down this free agency part differently, Kevin. Instead of running through position by position, because I don't think it's that interesting of a free agent group, especially no. the one we've whittled it down to. So let me say after you doing your exercise. So right now with DeAndre's cap hole, they're operating as a tax team, right? Am I wrong? Uh, not quite because it's still. So they are, they would have the non-taxpayer MLE right now if they do absolutely nothing and they sit here right now. And the first thing they do is sign a guy. Yeah, I think they, um, I have to do the math, but let's okay, see. It's, okay. I yeah, would continue. assume they're, I would assume they're going to operate as a tax team anyway, because that contract costs less money. <laughs> yeah. It's just, we, we just have to keep assuming these things, you know? Uh, so that takes them from the $9 million range to the six and a half million dollar range. That makes the names a lot less interesting. You mentioned like Chris Boucher, who I named on our podcast a time or two ago. He, he's a guy for six and a half. Well, like I have no read on the center market in terms of how much guys are going to get, who you can get for what price. But even looking across the league, I'm just not really sure. Like the Torian Prince contract, two years, 16, but the second half is just not guaranteed. Zubac got three for 33. I'm not really sure what direction contracts are going to go right now and what's going to look affordable and what's not, what is not going to. Did any, which one seemed the most realistic for you of the three in terms of adding a really impact, legitimate name there? You don't think they could get Hardenstein for six and a half? You think he's going for more somewhere? He had a really good year. Yeah, I think he'd go for more. Um, other guys that kind of stood out, I mean, I feel like Thad Young would definitely fit in this just because he's a little older. Um, Nick Batum, I believe, didn't make – made around this, this amount of money. So I don't know if he's just like, I want to go on a good team that I can win – have an easy time on. Um, it might be realistic, but yeah, Hardenstein was a guy for me who was like, Oh, I, I think that would be absolutely plug in as your backup 
like even to DA, run Dario-like stuff. And he can kind of make plays, good passer, um, pretty good shooter. But, yeah, I, I just think that he kind of got too much hype last year to be realistic for them. Let me know if I'm wrong. Cause you were sifting through the names. I was taking in 70 degree weather with, isn't it crazy, Kevin, that cool breezes exist. I was talking to someone about this and just growing up in Arizona, you just don't, there, it's not really that windy unless it's monsoon season anyway, but just a breeze, let alone that it's, it's a cool breeze. It just, it hits different for a guy from Phoenix who's never been there. So I'm taking those in. I'm not looking for agency classes like you are. <laughs> uh, Center to me looks like where they can get their guy with the with the MLE. And then I feel like they have to trade for the ball handler. I don't see it at ball yeah. handler. Do yeah. you agree? Yeah. I was just looking at it and it's right now the list is like DeLon Wright, Dennis Schroeder. Basically it. Um Gary Harris know. is it, not so, really on ball, but he's almost capable, and that's it's not a good group in that specific thing that they need the most, I think. Yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I wanted to add that Tyus Jones maybe would have been on our list in terms of an unrealistic option, but to add on to the Detroit thing, it was not fortunate for the Suns that Memphis traded DeAnthony Melton, and now Tyus Jones is probably back for sure. You know what I mean? That's yeah. DeAnthony Melton, uh, not a huge dribble guy, Kevin, but – uh, the polar opposite of dribble guy, Danny Green, shouts the guy, the man. Um, not a dribble guy at all. So Tyus Jones probably going to be back there. He was one of the more alluring backup point guard prospects. I mentioned Ricky Rubio to Kevin, and you said he might not play till January? Yeah, something like that, because his ACL injury was in December. So it's not going to be the start of the year, and I doubt you would – like, would you sign someone like that on a min? I don't even know if that happens. Any of the centers you like? Um, Boucher is interesting and notable. They just announced the Patrick Matumbo hire officially. Um, if you didn't know, he was on the Raptors bench, but also more recently was head coach of their G League team. So he... I'm sure knows Boucher well, and that would be kind of an interesting. I don't think he can really play too many minutes at backup centers because he's so skinny, but he's a super interesting switchy guy, block shots, um, can shoot, but was not good at shooting this past season and not really a great passer. So that kind of, in my mind, the passing thing might eliminate him, but that would be like one of those where you get a tool that you didn't previously have and, and maybe get better um, at a relatively good price. So Boucher played on the G League Raptors team in 2018 and 19. And uh, yeah, Mutombo has been with the Raptors since 2016. Obviously, he just got to Phoenix, so he's no longer with them started as head coach of their G League team in 2020, but Mutombo was around for, for those Boucher years. And obviously uh, he got to see Ish for that brief amount of time as well. So he's got some links. Glad you brought him up, by the way. That is official. Randy Ayers moving to a coaching advisory role. So he's not going to be on the bench necessarily, but he's still going to be very involved for sure and close to everything because Monty, if you guys remember, Monty grabbed him after the Western Conference Finals and had him do Monty's press conference with him. 
uh, because he's been with Monty since day one in New Orleans. Now he's been with him since day one in Phoenix. Those two are super close. Uh, and he's going to be sticking around and then adding a guy with like Mutombo with his player development resume, like you said, is, is pretty darn good. It, yeah, Kevin, there isn't much to get to through free agency because they're, they're so hand tied with where they're at as a tax team. And that's why it's so important for them. Why they're in, uh, like I described, they're going to need to do a quadruple McTwist Christ air 1260 Simone Biles through hoops kind of thing right here. James Jones is going to have to do that. Cause this is, when you're in this type of position as a tax paying team, and then the guys that you should just be paying your money to, uh, one of them might not be here. And there are reasons which we don't know why right now, but we can kind of assume why there might be some hesitation to paying DeAndre Ayton. When that's happening with one of the guys you should just be paying and you're making it so much harder on yourself, especially when you have to sign and trade him instead of just trade him. And are you with me, Kevin, and the people who are like, just sign him and then trade him in December? You're burning a season, right? You can't yeah. win the title that year. You can't win the title next year if you trade someone midseason like that. Also, right? those things never happen because if you do that, then like Kyrie, just to go back to that a sec, that, that lingers only because he's an expiring contract. Like if you sign a guy, why would you trade him immediately after? So that's... That's silliness, I say. If that happens, I'm telling, I'm showing Jeremy Schnell the picture of Jeff Hornacek glaring at Markeith Morris and just telling him, look for this angle on media day. Just look for where Monty is when DeAndre is talking. I don't care if he's not in the room. Just like look for him. <laughs> Get this. By the way, <laughs> recreate this photo. <laughs> um, so just to go back real quick on your DA question about the qualifying offer, it does depend a lot whether they're a tax team on like all the cap holds for also their unrestricted guys. So that stuff, I don't know. And I would think that they're going to have a couple of those guys um, on there. So it's kind of just hard to guesstimate right now. I think, you know, I love a good guessing game, Kevin, you ready for one more before we look at frequency as a whole. Yeah. Go. Jay Crowder, Landry Shamit. Campaign, Tory Craig, Dario Sarge. Putting the over under at one and a half for the amount of these guys that gets traded. Do you say over or under? I'm going to go over. Me too. Would you go two or three? I think two. I feel, um, like, it might be, I feel like it might be three. Yeah, it kind of depends on which ones. Doesn't I it mean, just. Again, you were the guy who did the exercise, but doesn't it just feel like the trade market is where they got to go to get what they need to get done? Yeah. I mean, to your point, if you look at, I think campaign does have more value if someone wants to take a risk on him, um, where at least you're getting a rotation piece back maybe. Um, I don't know. That, you just I'm just doing math in my head and going back to the Eric Gordon and keeps going back to Eric Gordon where it's like, okay, he makes 20 million. There's probably some contract out there like that where they could swing something. Um, and maybe we should go dive in to just throw out names, but it's again, whether you want to pay someone, because if you're trading these expirings to save someone else money, that means you're putting more money on your books later. And we still haven't gotten a good whiff of whether this team is really going to, not care and spend to 
not only be in that tier of maybe contenders, but top contenders. Yeah. Harrison Barnes came up uh, today on Burns and Game. I was listening to them on the flight home um, for, from Gerald's piece on PHNX. And that's the type of thing where I know my opinion of Jay Crowder is higher than others. So I'll say that before I say this, and I don't know where people are at on Harrison Barnes, but Harrison Barnes is a, is a decidedly better player than Jay Crowder. Is he a much, much better player than Jay Crowder? Is he a humongous upgrade over Jay Crowder? I, I don't think so. And that's the type of thing where I look at the backup point guard spot as well. If the guy they bring in is decidedly better than campaign, that's all you need. You do not need him to be Eric Gordon esque where it's basically like a third starter, like cam, like cam Johnson is the sixth starter. You know what I mean? You don't need that level of upgrade at those two spots. And then center is just, again, what happens with Deandre. We'll see. You want to run through for agency as a whole, kind of anything catching your eye that while you were looking through names that you were sort of interested to see what happens. Should we hit on the West? Anything jump out to you? What's up? I mean, I think the John Wall thing brings up. Pretty interesting, huh? Yeah, I think the Kyrie thing and that, just because of where we are in the news cycle today, brings up like the top of the West, because Kyrie didn't move, the top of the West is very, there's lots of continuity, but it's continuity with additions. And you look at the Clippers roster, how good they were just like with everyone hurt last year, if Kawhi comes back, which he should, I think. Um, With John Wall, you add just like a a super dynamic other piece, even if he's 75% of peak John Wall. Um, You go and look at um, Denver with those guys being healthy and uh, you go look at Dallas with adding Christian Wood. So I, I think everyone's kind of just building themselves up with probably, I don't know if you want to say they're in the Warriors tier just because they're the reigning champs and all that stuff. But there's like six teams that the Suns may or may not be part of um, that will be like, I don't know, they could win the conference in the regular season. Two John Wall things I want to say. Yeah, I think that he is one of the most underrated players in of the 2010s in terms of when he was really rolling for those four or five years when he was healthy. And a, he had a couple of years in the league. He was one of like the three or four best playmakers in the league. Talking like once he gets his dribble going around a ball screen, going in transition or whatever, the passes that he would make, the speed that he would play with, the switching levels that he would do like with his legs, strides, all that stuff. He really tremendous player. Uh, the last time he was healthy and played 78 games, uh, 41, 32, didn't play 40, didn't play. Those were his last five seasons, Kevin. So uh, we'll see, but I am a John Wall optimist. I think that he's really good. Have you seen a Clippers like proposed depth chart, by the way? It's ludicrous. I looked at it today. And so like- Reggie Jackson starts, Paul George, Kawhi, Marcus Morris, Zubach. That's their starting five. And then their bench would be Wall. And it, I'm, I can go even lower, Kevin. If he's 60% of what he was, he, he's an upgrade for them on their point guard spot. Yeah. Uh, Terrence Mann. We, Terrence Manhive here, me and you both been in there for a while. We've been comfy, cozy. We love it in there. Norm Powell, Robert Covington, Nick Batum. That's 10 guys, Kevin. We haven't gotten to whoever else they're going to add at center to replace Hartenstein, who's a loss for them. And then uh, Lowe brought this up today. Like Jason Preston and BJ Boston are just chilling there, Kev. They could be players. 
if they get even if they just lose Batum outright, don't care. They have the wings to replace him, and I, I will say that John Wall fits on that team. Like he doesn't need to be a good three point shooter or whatever. He just needs to Run. be explosive enough and have the skills, which I know he has the skills still to drive and kick, and that's what he's awesome at. And so when you space the floor like that team, um, it's going to be fun. And they locked up Covington again. They locked up Zubats. Uh, I think that was today. So they're basically running it back and having, in theory, all their guys healthy heading into the next season. Does this make sense where I thought the best fit for Wall was him going to a team where he would be the defensive liability? Does that make sense? Yeah. Because I, I think he needed, he needed to go to a play team where he has to play defense and you have to play defense on the Clippers and all of those guys are such good. Everyone I mentioned there is, is a good defender, like a good NBA defender. And a lot of those guys are excellent NBA defenders. And so he's going to have to do his part defensively, which he has done in the past. But I think that if he's just able to physically move at a way where he can be a pest defensively and then just run breaks and just be a pace guy for them occasionally, uh, it's going to be a huge ad for them. What do you think of Christian Wood? It sounds like he's going to come off the bench for Dallas. It, it's just a, it just makes them better, right? There's no way it doesn't work for them in some sense of making them better, right? Are we reading too much into how well he played two years ago? Hasn't been a winning situation. I mean, I think I thought they were going to send out Dwight Powell or someone like that, um, but they didn't, right? So I nothing. They gave up nothing. Yeah, their their main pieces are all intact, and they add him. Um, I could see them trying to figure out how to start him too, and he can do enough where it's pressure off Luca. Um, I guess Jalen Brunson. We should mention just losing him is like okay. I don't know where your ball handlers are going to be other than Luca, but um, if he's healthy, I guess. But that that's kind of the only question mark I have for them is. How do you not wear that dude down? Because as we saw, that can happen once you get deep into the playoffs. Okay, I want to pl- I want to play a game. Uh, love games here. Good guessing games. It's less of a yeah. guessing game, more of a setting things in stone game. Because at the end of free agency, we're going to play this game again, and I want to see how much things move now in the next couple of weeks. We're going to roll through every team in the Western Conference, and we're going to say which teams are decidedly at the level of the Suns or are at the level below the Suns. I think that's fair to say. So the Suns are at this level um, or, or the teams are above them. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, Kevin? For, at this sense? moment. Yes. Correct. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, right. Uh, we're going to roll through every team and then pick the teams. Uh, Memphis is a really interesting team. I'm glad that Zach Lowe brought him up on his podcast because they were remember at the trade deadline. We were like, Oh yeah, like they could move Kyle Anderson. They have all these picks. They have Zaire Williams. Like they could do something. They're still in that kind of spot, Kevin. They're a very asset heavy team right now, despite everything they've got going for them. Cause usually teams that have a lot going for them, like them don't have a lot to move around, but they have a ton really deep team. They just got four rookies, I believe. So I, I would assume some movement is going to happen for them. They already moved to Anthony Melton, of course, but more could come. Uh, they're an interesting free agency team in terms of seeing what moves for them. Golden State, I, I, they're going to reload. Kuming and Moody are going to get better, uh, but they could obviously do something. We just saw Dallas get Christian Wood. It feels like that was their big move. They've got the Jalen Brunson thing to kind of figure out now going forward, uh, but I think we kind of knew the writing was on the wall there. Utah is one of the X factors. We're going to go off go off here where all of this discussion around DeAndre, Kyrie, Kevin, Durant, 
Miles Bridges, whatever else has been talked about in free agency, DeJounte Murray trade rumors, John Collins trade rumors, not as much noise coming out of Utah anymore, but it still seems like that's a pretty volatile situation where a couple of guys are going to get moved. We'll see how that goes. Denver is going to be healthy, we assume, but it's going to be interesting to see, okay, can they have a Christian Wood-esque move where they get like that sixth, seventh, eighth guy? Are they going to be able to find one of those potentially in, in this whole mess of an offseason? We don't know. Minnesota, I brought this up to you, Kevin. Uh, low on not, I'm not reporting, citing, aggregating the, the great Zach Lowe, not trying to do any of that here. But he just said he loved them as a theoretical DeJounte Murray team because this DeJounte Murray name has been floated around. And they are a team to me, Kevin, where if they are able to seriously make an upgrade like that to one of their positions or more importantly, just find a point guard. Uh, oh boy, I think they could be looking like a top four team in the West pretty soon because I'm a huge believer in Anthony Edwards. I'm a huge believer in Carl Anthony Towns. I'm a huge believer in just what Finch has done there and just in general, kind of everything that has kind of worked for them. Are, are, you, are you with me on Minnesota? Was there any other team that I mentioned there that sounded interesting to you? You had anything to add on? I will say that I think Memphis is worth circling back on because of losing a couple of guys in their backcourt. And I just don't know what they're going to do. I, I guess, I don't know if I'm overblowing the Tyus Jones market, but that one's interesting to me. And then I don't know if I should point out that I, I think the Warriors, they really shouldn't care of Andrew Wiggins, but it's a big money issue. Um, so they might be doing things to save money. If we go by history, they will not, and they will just spend all of the money that anyone in San Francisco has to live because it's expensive there. But that just an interesting um, offseason for them because Poole, I think, is up for an extension. Um, Looney, Gary Payton, too, free agents. And, yeah, it's a Wiggins option. Otto Porter as well. Uh, they yeah. probably need to find another wing in there unless Kuming and Moody are ready to play huge minutes. We but, don't know that. Yeah, they're in decent shape, though, even if they let a bunch of guys walk. They are. New Orleans is one of the three teams I wanted to spotlight in here with Oklahoma City and Houston. Obviously, Oklahoma City and Houston are going to be terrible again next year, probably. But those three teams have the assets right now with all of these superstar trades that have happened. New Orleans, obviously, from the Anthony Davis trade. Oklahoma City from the Paul George, Russell Westbrook stuff. And then Houston with James Harden. They've got all these assets now where they can basically decide when they want to hit the button and start just getting crazy with what they're offering to people in trades. And New Orleans is in that is in that spot. So so are they going to do something crazy this offseason? Are they just going to look at everything Willie Green did preach? Good old continuity, Kevin, everyone's favorite word. Are they going to go uh, there with the way the uh, second half of the season went from them? They already kind of made their big move with CJ anyway. But I, again, they're just worth circling to because they've got all that Anthony Davis stuff still stacking up the Clippers we talked about. Uh, Lowe brought this up to you, Kevin, to regurgitate from them. Balmer is just basically trading for contracts at this point. <laughs> He's just like, oh, we're just trading for Norman Powell, Rob Covington. We're going to get that luxury tax bill going. They're remodeling every basketball court in L.A. off the court, too. They're just – that man has money to spend on basketball, and he's not afraid to show it. Bless him. Why does San Antonio want to trade DeJounte Murray, Kevin? What's going on I, over there? I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. Why uh, would you be- waste – and Pop's career to do a 
more of a rebuild than they've been doing. I I don't. Can we take them as a DA thing? Should we take them as a series DA? Yes. Team now. That, that is my DA team. If I had to pick yeah. one right now, there it's them. It makes too much sense. Dejounte is to me. He's my Devin Booker guy right now, where he is clearly in a terrible situation, but is clearly an All Star All NBA guy, and just needs to get better teammates. And once he does, he's going to be that dude. He's going to be a top 15, 20 player in the league, maybe even more. I think he's awesome. Uh, the Lakers shrug. I don't know. Anyone want no Taylor Horton Tucker in a 2029 second round pick or whatever they have to offer? No. You know, Sacramento's going to try to keep winning Kevin. You know, they're going to try stuff. They're going to get weird. Uh, One of my, someone tweeted me and asked for a bold off season prediction for the Suns or free agency as a whole. I said that I think Portland is going to get a big name. Zach Lee and Bradley Beal, Harden. I don't know. But I think they're going to. They're worth mentioning. And then Oklahoma City and Houston. No. Again, a million young guys, a million picks. They can kind of pick whenever they want to go. In my opinion, Kevin, I know Oklahoma City's patient. I think they're ready. I think Shea, Giddy, uh, all the other young guys they've got, they just took four more in the draft. I think they're ready to get three or four legitimately good Jay Crowder-esque veterans, and they're kind of like what Detroit just did, but a little bit better. I think they're ready for that, and they should start trying to win. I agree with that. I I guess we should take Sacramento seriously because they have a good nucleus, but it's Sacramento. They got to get they got to get a lot more guys and they got to start looking like a capable basketball team, which they have yet to. Okay. Mike Brown thoughts with you. Yeah. We, Oh gosh, for, forgot about that. <laughs> Definitely in our thoughts. Okay. Again. So these are the teams that we feel like are either on the sun's level or are above them right now. Golden state, right? Yeah. Above. Memphis. Right there. Denver. Uh, right there. Clippers. I want to say above. Dallas. Uh, uh, I can't get over the Brunson importance, but they should be right there. I I say below. I'm going to say below. We'll see if anything changes in the next couple of weeks. Minnesota, New Orleans, are you feeling spicy enough on either of those two teams right now or no? I'll go with New Orleans. At the Suns level, you think so? Right there? Right in their range? If Zion's ready. Yeah. All right. That roster is too good. Oh, the Beef Boys lineup, Kevin. I need it. The Beef Boys, their draft, like, they've had some awesome drafts lately. Um. I saw too much in that playoff series. And honestly, just like their youth is where it's like, I don't want to doubt the Suns and say they're getting older or they're tapped their potential. But I just feel like the Pelicans have a lot more on that end. I'm going to cheat and agree with you just off of the unpredictability of the Suns offseason and how good their basketball team is going to be in a month. I have no idea. I know, yeah, I know, I know their team is going to be good. And we, we feel pretty darn good about where the Pelicans are headed and they could be a 50-win team next year. So we've got Memphis, Golden State, Denver, the Clippers, and New Orleans. So we've got five teams in the mix with the Suns or above them right yeah. now. Yeah. And now people think we're talking about this one way. We could have Phoenix move up a couple of spots here 
if they have a really good offseason here. We're yeah. talking right now with the uncertainty, with what's going to happen with you, how much they can get in a sign and trade, what's available in the trade market, the assets they have. We're factoring all that into our tiny little brains and looking at it right now. I think that's fair. And then again, like if Portland gets Zach Levine or Bradley Beal, like I, it would be Zach Levine or Bradley Beal and Damian Lillard. I mean, I would have to at least have a conversation about it, right? Yeah. I mean, part of while you were gone, I think of like at our radio station when it's, there's nothing else to talk about. It's been about resetting expectations. And to me, the expectations have to be back to what they were going into their finals run season, like at the beginning of the season, where it's like they just had a Chris Paul. I think this is, I can be confident and say this is a top six in the West team. But beyond that right now, I can't say anything more, even if I say just DA is coming back. Like, I think something else has to shake up for me to be like their top five or top four. Even with the uncertainty we're talking about, I will still say I only have Golden State and the Clippers above the Suns right now. Like, clearly above them, like a tier above them. That's the only two teams I'm willing to put there right now. I'm not willing to go too far, but I am willing to go far in terms of how much better the West is going to be and how just how good it is right now already. And then again, we'll check it back in in a month and see if any other teams jump or if the Suns jump a couple levels up themselves. We don't know how it's going to shake out. Uh, this yeah. would have been an easier conversation to have if they traded for Kevin Durant, Kevin, but that's not happening. So we'll, we'll check <laughs> in and see. All right, buddy. Like we said, if we're busy over the next couple of weeks, it's good signs for this, for this team. But we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Do you think things are going to happen fast on Thursday or are we going to lag a bit for the Suns? I think the DA thing's going to dry out. Really? I think it's over by Friday afternoon. Okay. I think I don't even think we get to Friday evening. I think 24 hours max, and then we're I out think there. even if he's signed and traded, he's going to be disappointed. But then again, uh, John Wall wasn't even released from the Rockets before we knew he was going to join the Clippers, which he can't do yet, which, yeah. So. He, he can because it's like it's some rule where he's is, since he was released or something he's he's not technically a free agent like these guys he's not in this class or something but it's still I I agree with you it's all over the place it doesn't make sense to me when would it you know when would it we're here to make sense of things when we can though and we're we're gonna do that next time we come back which as you guys know when something big happens we'll we'll be back uh you've got a radio show to host on thursday i've got a radio show no wait wednesday right wednesday i'm thursday i hope you know what day you're working you're thursday yeah i'm in yeah i'm in nine to five thursday and then friday i'm on burns and gambo but we'll record somewhere in there whenever news happens i i'm guessing we're going to podcast later this week we'll see though but whenever it's worth coming back with free agency news we will we'll talk to you then